in this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, we go to see a movie about the greatest name in Formula One. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Zog. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're recording this episode on January the 2nd, the first functional day of the new year. But instead of looking forward, we're looking back, Zog. We're looking at the history of the greatest name in motorsport. Through somebody else's eyes, yes, yes we are. What do you know about this film? What do you expect from it? Well, I expect it to be good, first of all. I mean, Michael Mann is a terrific director, I'm a fan... He's very good at detail. Okay. I think if you think about films like Heat and Lost the Mohicans, Thief, he's very good at how people do things, how people achieve what they are trying to achieve, how they rob that bank, how they break into that vault. So I think given that there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of kind of uh, d- detail and complicated stuff and engineering, as well as human stuff, as well as, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, people, human resources management, I guess you'd call it, in the Ferrari story or the Ferrari story that we, well, we don't know quite what we're going to see. We don't, yeah. we, we, we know this is Ferrari 1957, uh, the year of the, the last Mille Emilia. Uh, you know, this is the period that it's centered on. Uh, I don't really know much more than that. I haven't actually seen a trailer. I've seen a couple of little clips, just clips, but I haven't seen a trailer. So, um, well, there we go. Yeah, I'm expected to be good. I'm expected to be good on, on detail as well. Good. It, it, it will look fantastic. I love what you said about him specialising in how things are achieved. That's going to make it very much a film for me, a how film, yeah, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> right, we better go in, yeah. otherwise we're going to miss the trailers and the ads before the start of the film. And we need to get popcorn. And we need to get popcorn and coffee, right? We're going in and we'll talk to you after we've seen this marvellous movie. Well, I say marvellous, let's hope it's marvellous. Zog and I are now ensconced in a, a small pub in Soho with Italian beers. Cheers. Uh, to, hang on, I'm going to have a sip of this first. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to discuss what we've just seen. All right. Marks out of ten. I think I give it uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah, fair. I think, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I think... And ranking it, you know, immediate reaction in terms of ranking it, you know, among Michael Mann movies, I think it's kind of mid-upper tier. Yeah. You know, it's... It's not Heat, it's not Lost the Mohicans, but it's better than, I think, Public Enemies, you know, certainly way better than The Keep. Uh, so, yeah, upper middling uh, Michael Mann, which is good. You know, that, right. you know, that is a very good film. Right. I I don't know any of those films. I think I've seen Last of the Mohicans, but not for 20 or 30 years. And I struggle to see Last of the Mohicans because I haven't seen the... the, the first uh, one. The, yeah, well, yeah, the first of the Mohicans, yeah, or even the penultimate of the Mohicans. So it was tricky. But this, this is interesting because, you know, when I go and see a movie, I, I much prefer not to know anything hmm. about the story at all and let the movie immerse me in someone's vision of a story, right? Let it unfold and no preconceptions. But because this was about Ferrari and you and I are 
motorsport fans, I had to do a little bit of reading up beforehand because I don't know Enzo Ferrari's life story. So I, I, I kind mm. of quick glance to try and get an idea of context. So if there was anything in the movie that seemed fantastical, I, I could find out whether it was actually really what happened in the movie. Mm. In real life, I should say. Fantastic is a great place for a movie, right? You want to make a movie about fantastic things, and the story of Ferrari is a fantastic story. But the narrow confines of this film, it's all 1957, it's about one event in Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari's life, arguably. Yes. I I didn't quite know that. I was kind of expecting a whole biopic, the whole story, so sod my preconceptions this is what we got did it tell the story of that year clearly and accurately in your opinion I think from what I from what I recall of that event that year it was it's fairly accurate there's plenty of detail in there that is that is not accurate I, I, I believe I don't think it's stuff that unless you're and it's going to be fairly picky about motorsport history and events. I don't think it's stuff that I would be overly um, bothered about if you're telling the story well enough. And it does tell a good story there. And I think, you know, you could, you could sum up what, what he's doing in that film as telling three stories at the same time. You've got the story of Enzo's love life, his, his family life, his marriage his affairs, uh, his illegitimate son, the financial story of Ferrari, the, you know, never-ending crises, um, and then the sporting drama. And man is using the, uh, the sporting drama of that year, and in particular the Mille Miglia, to, you know, kind of anchor the other stories. And I think... I think they were taking a lot more liberties with some of the more peripheral events than with the sporting events. So, for example, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is kind of you know, giving away any spoilers, but there's, there's a storyline to do with you know, a cheque for a large amount of money. Um, I, I think that is at best questionable whether that ever happened. Um, the stuff, there's some stuff to do with Ford and Fiat in there that, did not happen in 1957, but it's an important part of the Ferrari story. But they've they've kind of squeezed it into this story. Yeah, they're telescoping yeah. into that in order that you can tell a bigger story about Ferrari. I think that's. I, I think I'm okay with that. But one reason I'm okay with that is that they're I think getting the feel of contemporary racing so well I mean the sound of that film was magnificent wasn't it just yeah that 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 was my favourite element of the movie right from the word go there's an opening sequence a montage of archive footage of cars racing in 1927 in black and white and they've overlaid on that close-ups of Enzo when he was a driver well, himself. Well, um... It was the actor. Yeah, it was yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. actor, but, 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 but they, they did a good job of, yes, doing the, 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 the fake Enzo with yeah. the real contemporary footage. Yeah. And, you know, I, it done. didn't match perfectly. I have to say, the close-ups of the stuff on board the car were too static, but from my okay. opinion. That's, that's OK. If we want to get it's so technical, I think... Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that, 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 that's OK, because, again, to, you know, to me, and, I mean, I mean, you know, we've both, I guess, we've both, you know, done enough work with... 
cameras and editing and stuff that we're going to be maybe more sensitive to this. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of perfectly okay with there being a, just a little sort of, you know, a little thing in there that's telling you, okay, yeah, yeah, we're making this look like the contemporary thing, but actually we've, you know, we've made this bit up. And then you get the other bit of footage that actually is, you know, yeah. some genuine contemporary footage that, 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 that's a little bit shakier. It's not quite as steady, yeah. but, but otherwise looks the same. The sound, though, um, I, I got distracted there, but the sound, you know, from the moment that you hear Ferrari race cars on the circuit, the pounding that we got from the audio system in the Odeon in Leicester Square, I have to say they've got a good sound system there. It, felt like you were standing trackside. It felt like you were hit by a, a shockwave as the car went by and the roar of those engines. Yeah, absolutely. No, I had exactly the same impression. And I would certainly say, you know, if you're, you know, if, if you're a motorsport fan, if you're, if you're a, a car person who's interested in seeing this movie, go and see it in the cinema. Go and see it with a proper sound system because you will appreciate the, you know, you really will get a you will get a kick out of the uh, the way they they get the visceral feel of the cars you know blasting by just a few feet away um, and, and I, I, I believe they actually spent some time with uh, some of Nick Mason's cars recording some of his collection to get uh, the right engine sounds uh, for the right cars you've just completed a loop for me there then Nick Mason's daughter is married to Marino Franchitti, who appears in the film as a driver. Right. So probably the deal was, Nick Mason said, yeah, you can have some of my Ferraris, but you've got to let my son-in-law drive them. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Fair enough, fair enough. Well, well, you mentioned Marino Franchitti. I mean, we also spotted... Well, you spotted Mark Genet in a a, a little role. Yeah. Driving a Ferrari into the factory. Oh, go and do the well, then, Mark uh, Genet is a. I don't know if he still is, but he, for a long time he was a, a Ferrari test driver. Of course, yeah. He may yeah. still have that title, so yeah. it was very fitting. Yeah, I was kind of. Hang on, is that Mark Genet driving? Was it a Tester Ross? Or we think it may be yeah, a Tester Ross. Yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, and, and then a little while later, as, uh, as as Sterling Moss is pulling away from the start of the Million Million, I think I lent him to because was that Ben Collins? Yeah! And sure, if it was Ben Collins. Um, really so, yeah, nice so, at these real drivers, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, For us. Yeah, and, um, and they also got to use Patrick Dempsey, who is, uh, you know, terrific driver and a terrific actor. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, th- I mean, that movie must have been a, uh, a dream gig uh, for Patrick Dempsey. Um, and, yeah, he yeah, he equips himself beautifully in that role. Since we're talking about actors, um, yeah, I mean, that is a well-cast movie in the major roles. Both Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz are terrific. Um, I'm not quite sure whether all of the human drama in the film quite had the, the highs and lows, the dynamic that... It, that it really needs to work as a top-notch film if you don't have the, um, you know, the racing side of it. You know, I asked myself, if, if I wasn't as... Uh, if I wasn't a car nut, would I have enjoyed that film as much? Would it have been a human drama that worked as well? Mm. I'm not sure. It, I, you know, it, I agree. It, I, think, I think it would have been a bit... But I think I would have found it a bit too slow. It was slow. It was a steady start... It majors on Enzo's broken relationship with Laura, his wife, Penelope Cruz. And the tension 
in their relationship that's come about not only from Enzo's multiple affairs and, as it turns out, long, long-time second wife, 12 years or more, but also the way that they cope with the death of their son, Dino, the year before. You know, that, that's a hard one on any relationship, but clearly Enzo had been doing his thing, according to the movie, for a very long time, and that much we understand to be true. Yes. The downside of that is that there's very little joy in their relationship, and there's very little joy in Enzo Ferrari throughout the whole movie. It's grim faces, it's arguments, it's tension, it's... He was very good at resolving issues. I like the way that him and Laura horse-traded over, OK, I'll, you, you give me half the shares of Ferrari and I'll give you a million lira or a million dollars and I'll sign the cheque, but I won't cash it. Until, you know, and they resolved this stuff, which was kind of nice. He was a businessman. He's used to that, right? He would operate that way. Yeah, and I did actually read the book that the screenplay was based on, uh-huh. um, the, uh, uh, the Brock Yates biography of Vento Ferrari. It, it, it was a while ago that I read it, um, Though, and obviously they took a very small section of that book to base most of the uh, most right. of the movie on. You know, it's, it's a, a bit in the middle, which of course, which we know from to have and have not, can be a very good way of adapting a book. Just backstory: Ernest Hemingway made a bet with the director of To Have and Have Not, uh, who, to my shame, I now can't remember. Uh, anyway, yeah, he and the director made a bet that. He couldn't make a good film out of Hemingway's worst book. And so he said, I'll, I'll take that bet. What's your worst book? To have and have not, he says. All right, so he takes To Have and Have Not, reads it, and then adapts one chapter into the film To Have and Have Not, which was the film that uh, first saw Humphrey Bogart star- starring opposite Lauren Bacall. Um, anyway, and, and, and by, by basing the film on one chapter and throwing away the rest of the book, he made a magnificent film, and Hemingway agreed that he had made a good film of his worst book. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so this technique can absolutely work. Um, and also, on a writing note, the original script, although I think it has been further developed, was written by Troy Kennedy Martin, who wrote uh, Zed Cars and... Who wrote *Edge of Darkness*? Which what Zed Cars, the BBC television yeah, B- series from the sixties and the seventies? Yeah. Wow. And *Edge of Darkness*, the nineteen eighties um, uh, kind of nuclear, uh, yeah, nineteen eighties nuclear thriller, which for me is still one of the very best things that British television has ever produced. It's uh, yeah. If you've never seen *Edge of Darkness*, the the original TV series, not the Mel Gibson remake, um, which isn't terrible, um, <laughs> uh, but the original, no, just watch it, it's amazing. Okay, that idea you were talking about there of, you know, concentrating on one event or one part, one chapter, that 1957, it was, yeah, pivotal in, in Ferrari's history. The story of the Mille Emilia in 57, where Ferrari beat not only Maserati, but Mercedes and all comers, is a good one. I, I'm not sure that there was enough tension in the way that they told the story of that race. It didn't play out with, you know, w- when you watch a race, when you hear the story of a race, you want to win, OK, they're winning, oh, they're on their back foot, oh, they're going to make it, and they just get over the line and win, right? 
the story of the Millie Emilia was very much the finale of the film, or towards the finale of the film. I don't think it particularly lifted the mood of the film, which is quite sombre, because even, spoilers, you know, the horrors of the 1957 Millimilia, where 13 people died, five of them children, these are the people watching the race, plus a Ferrari driver. Hmm. Uh, Horrific stuff, you know, you you want stuff that, life and death in a movie. It's good for that, but I don't think they really played it up enough. Although that one shot of the horror of that crash, as it reveals all the dead and the absolute slaughtering of the driver, Mm, mm, mm. that was pretty memorable and shocking. Yeah, and again, I think that was... I mean, the film did, I think, a very good job of, of showing what of giving you a real sense for what racing at the time was like. Um, yeah. you know, and not just the, the physicality of the cars the, and the, the process of putting them together and getting them to go fast. and uh, and But also, yeah, the, the very unpleasant, the very, uh, the very nasty side, uh, the danger, not just to the drivers but to the spectators, because, you know, th- th- this was not the only time... You know, in that era, yeah. that, that, that multiple spectators yeah. were killed uh, in uh, in action. I mean, Von Tripps was another of the characters in that uh, in that film. You know, he also was um, you know, killed in a crash uh, that killed multiple spectators. Yeah. Eight, Eighty people was that Le Mans? No, that 52? was Le Mans. That was yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Fifty-five. Yeah. Um, but the point is that, that, that yeah, motor racing at the time was very it was brutal on the drivers and sometimes on on the spectators yeah. uh, and much as we romanticize the era for uh, you know for many good reasons you know we should never romanticize that it was yeah. absolutely terrible um, and and I think you know I think it's right that the film didn't shy away from that yeah. that, it, that it didn't you know kind of glamorize that era of Ferrari and that era of motor racing, without also, you know, uh, saying, well, you know, showing, you know, this happened also. I think it's true that Enzo Ferrari lived in the shadow of death. You know, he'd lost two of his best friends when he was younger, and he was very aware that his drivers were getting in their cars and they were either going to win or die. It's a generalisation. But he was aware of that, of the seriousness of it. And the instructions, as we see in the movie, that he gives to his drivers, you don't lift, you either win or die. He pretty much said that, didn't he? Did he? I mean, that, 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 that actually, it's interesting you say that, because, because in that scene, I was, I, I was questioning whether he... You know, did he ever give that explicit mm. instruction to drivers? I'm not sure. Um... Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know, so I wouldn't really want to speak to that. You know, th- there were certainly other liberties with, like I say, um, uh, things that you know, you know, were said or done that were you know compressed or changed to make the drama work better. Um, maybe that's one of them. I, I think as a broader portrait of you know what what Ferrari was like as a man and what Ferrari was like as a, as a company and a racing organisation. Yeah, I, I think it's a good film. It's a good film. Mm. Whether 
so much of the detail is absolutely bang on. Um, hey, we didn't go and see a documentary, did we? You always have to no. suspend belief. It's a movie, it's an interpretation of the story to make it work for a general audience, right? Because if only motorsport fans go and see this film, it ain't going to sell. But if you can persuade everybody to come and see this film, it will sell. Ferrari's a great name. It is, but there's this issue around... Uh films that are based on racing, racing Mm -hmm. movies, they traditionally don't make money, or Hollywood believes they don't make money. Um, I think Michael Mann had had this script for, you know, more than 20 years. Mm. He'd been trying to get this film made for more than 20 years. And Michael Mann is, is, you know, this this is not a director who's, you know... Who's made many failures? You know, this is a this is a man who was you know he's directed you know a you know a, actually a fairly varied bunch of very successful, very very good films. Um, but he had a lot of trouble getting his Ferrari film financed um, because you know uh, because Hollywood is wary of racing movies. Um, it took him this long to get it done. And he he credits in part Netflix Drive to Survive with being one of the things that made it easier to get the money. It was only once Drive to Survive became as successful as it did that a lot of you know money people in Hollywood thought, ah, oh, okay, actually maybe you know maybe there is enough of a market here. Maybe you know maybe there is maybe there are enough people who are going to buy into. A racing story that we can spend, you know, this much money on a Ferrari movie, rather than just spending the, you know, twenty or thirty million that, you know, he he could have got more easily and could have made the film for, but but it wouldn't have been that film, you know, because you know there's there, there's a lot of money on screen there, isn't there? You know, you were talking a moment ago about the Mille Mille itself, you know, the the, the race itself and how maybe the the drama of the race. Who's actually winning at the moment? Who's, how is that fight for the, for the lead going? Um, yeah, I, I agree that kind of... Maybe that wasn't, uh, that wasn't told all that clearly, but, but what you did have was a real... What you did have was spectacular racing footage yeah. and wonderful visual and aural in-the-moment experience of that racing, of that wheel-to-wheel, uh, of that wheel-to-wheel. I was going to say combat. That's not the right way. Of that wheel-to-wheel competition. Yeah. You know, it's a well. Uh, this this one shot in particular, I remember doing the Millimilia, presumably up in the Italian Alps. I don't know exactly where it takes place. But an absolutely poetic image of Italian mountains with. I don't know, five red cars, Ferraris and Maseratis, nose to tail, right on top of each other. Now, I'm I'm guessing that the Milli Milli didn't actually work like that. The cars aren't bunched together entirely. There's passing and repassing, and there may be moments where the cars are on top of each other, but largely there's going to be a bit of distance. More spaced out that yeah, probably. A, probably. But it's a lovely image of the joy. Yeah. Of, and like you said, that visceral satisfaction it was almost as if we were I could almost smell the oil and the rubber could you? Right. Oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, it was a, uh, they did that well I think whatever niggles one might have with the film you know whatever whatever little things one might find to, to criticise um, 
I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, coming away from that film going, oh, they, they, they didn't have the sound of, of that Maserati right. You know, no, no, that was the... Th- th- that was the wrong Ferrari in that in that shot. Having said that, I was curious. Okay, yeah, there, right. I was curious to see that Enzo drove around in, in a, a Peugeot four hundred three. I had no idea. Uh, I, there must be a story as to why he drove a Peugeot and not a Lancia or an Alfa or. Well, maybe you know he has respect. You know, he's a he's a man who had respect for good engineering. Yeah. Per, you know, Peugeot made a decent car. Why why wouldn't he drive a Peugeot? Uh, and it was designed by Pininfarina, I think. He did a lot of Peugeot okay, well, designs. Well, so yeah, he Italian. Probably, he, probably, he probably got a deal on one. You know. <laughs> but there's a there's a scene where he gets in the car early in the morning and he freewheels it down the hill from his house where he lives with Laura, and bump starts. The car and then races to the Ferrari factory. Yeah, and he's got this—I don't know what was it—a 1.8 liter four-cylinder engine in that car or something, and it's rorting like a, a V8. That was my only criticism. Of, no, they didn't really sound like that, even if they'd been tuned by Modena itself. You know, I, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. We have, <laughs> have, have to go back and check and, and, and check that. But there was nothing in the movie that made me go, hang on, no, that didn't happen, that's impossible, that's ridiculous. You know, I think you get in so many racing movies where two guys are neck and neck in some kind of drag race, and one of them changes down from fourth to third, puts his foot on the accelerator and overtakes. Actually, no, I... I I, I think they did that once. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. There, there, there was, there was. I think there was one moment where, where, the, where one of the drivers did that. Hang on a second. Yeah. I hadn't previously thought of changing gear and pressing the accelerator a bit harder. Why don't I try it now? Oh, I passed the guy. I, I, I think they did that once. And I, I mean, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a kind of a, a standard for a movie, though, isn't it? it? In a car movie, that, that usually it, 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 happens. Standard for a movie, but but but, but I, th- I, th- I think you know, other than on that occasion, it completely rode above that territory. You know, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 it didn't commit any of those sins. But I think there was maybe that that one moment of uh, change gear, press the loud pedal a bit harder. Overtake everybody. And it wasn't a Hollywood movie. It wasn't crash, bang, and amazing things happened. It seemed very real, very visceral, a more considered movie, an almost intelligent, emotional story rather than a, a drama. Oh, it is, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it was absolutely, uh, you know, the, the, you know, a very human drama. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and it is quite sombre. I mean, you said that, you know, there wasn't, as you say, there isn't much joy coming out of, of Enzo and the relationship with his wife you know it's a it's a uh, you know it's, it's, it's a broken relationship yeah. and uh, we see them navigating this and you know finding a way forward and finding a way forward alongside everything that's going on with with the company that they control and that's difficult so it's it's not a bundle of laughs uh, but that's true to that's true to the story. That's true, you know, to what happened. I mean, and you know, let's remember also that you know the 1957 Billy Media was the last time they ran that race um, because of that accident. I was reading about this. The court case regarding Ferrari or Pirelli's responsibility for the crash that killed not only the driver but 13 people in the crowd. Mm. Um, that court case went on until 1961, where it was abandoned. Really? It was, yeah, the Italian law. Do you remember when uh, Senna died at Imola? Um, yeah, yeah. Italian law held Frank Williams 
responsible for it and that's unique to Italian law it's different to other nations there's a tension there you know that adds to the drama of it I think they could have made more of of that you know we're we're aware of the story hey maybe we know too much I think I I, I think if you'd if you'd added into that story a legal drama and then you know uh, a drawn out legal battle you know to this story no matter how true it is and no matter how um, you know how much it might have how important it might have been you know I I, I think it would have weighed the movie down Mm. I I I think they were right Uh, I think it was perfectly legitimate to to simplify that a bit you know you you have to cut some corners to to tell a good story sometimes to make a story work on screen you know I I, I think the choices they made were okay Um, and it meant that you got a balance of the you know the sporting and the personal drama that, that yeah. in the end works well. Was, was there anything in the movie that bugged you? Was there one moment that we go, oh no, come on? I didn't. Uh, we were sitting next to each other. I didn't sense any shoulder shrugging or discomfort. No, no, I didn't no, feel no, it no, either. No, it was no, authentic. No. Wasn't I, 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 I think there was literally the, there was literally that one moment of oh yeah, they did the change gear. Yeah, yeah. Press, that was it. it, it sorry, there was just there was that one moment. Yeah. No, 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 no. There was one moment I had it quite early on in the film. There's this moment where, um, in fact, he does this a couple of times, where there's a kind of um, how do you describe it? There's a juxtaposition of the the sound of cars at the track and the music of the cars at the track with music in church or music yeah. at the opera. Yeah. Oh and, yes. You know, and and there's this. Um, you know, this is a kind of comparison that, that, that is sort of often casually made in speech. You know, you're talking, you know, yeah, the, you know, the, the music that these that these engines make, the music of the cars, and we talk about you know a, a cathedral of motorsport. And there were a couple of moments where you have this, you know, this juxtaposition of those things of yeah. you know the music of the cars and then the sacred music in church or music of the opera. Yeah. And then in the church, there's a, there's another element that has to do with. Well, we won't go into that, but then yeah. they sort of weave something else in there that's, that's kind of interesting. It, it could have been quite clumsy. It could have been a bit, you know. It could have been ham-fisted. Yeah, it yeah, could have been ham-fisted yeah. and clumsy. And but it just wasn't. Not no, yeah. it was. It was beautiful. Yeah. And it was a, a very, I thought, a very fine expression of that. It. it um, yeah. Talking about the opera it, it, moment. It's, it's the work of a you know a master filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subtle. There was a subtlety to it, wasn't there? Arguably too subtle, you might say. You know, because when you see opera in movies it's usually some great life changing death moment alongside it and the, the big notes and it's opera it's you know it's yeah, everything in this it was a bit more intimate wasn't yeah, it I mean I, I, I wouldn't even say it was subtle but I would but, but, but I would say but it was it was it was very well crafted yeah. it, was, it was beautifully done it's uh, yeah Italy in 1957 is a lovely place to set a movie. The textures, it was a very textured movie. You know, I noticed every time Enzo changed his suit or his uh, his cardigan or his vest, whatever it is he wears, his, his waistcoat, that yellow wool thing that he wore. Uh, and, and, you know, they were sitting down eating ravioli on a couple of occasions. They were drinking Italian red wine, you saw it. They were smoking, there was... 
Alfa Romeos, they were Lancia Aurelias, they were Flaminas. But any, you know, like you know, I'm an Italianophile. I love all that. And it was delightful to be immersed in Italy in 1957. Like I said, I could almost smell and and taste it and it suits me because I've just had an Italian Christmas my theme for Christmas this year was Italy because we had Margarita an Italian friend of my son Tycho lodging with us in the summer and when she left she left Sife's girlfriend Sife's girlfriend Margarita who is just and she's Milanese so you know appropriate and when Margarita left and got her own place with Saif the guitarist in my son's band we kind of missed it oh he's a top man it left a void in the house she brought a certain Italian quality we were eating Italian food all the way through the summer and when she left she left a bit of a vacuum so I thought, right, this year's Christmas is going to be Italian. We had Genoa cake, all the wines of the sh- and the fizzy sparkling was all Italian. And I, my sister knitted me a scarf, red, white and green, supposed to be Welsh. When it arrived, it looked Italian. Hey. Perfect, perfect. Synchronicity. So to cap off Christmas and the new year with an Italianate movie suits me perfectly. Hold on, I'm going to reach into my bag here because in my bag... I did a little bit of homework. I've got the Enzo Ferrari biography in my bag. This one was written by uh, Richard Williams, and I haven't read it, but I did speed read it on the train on the way in, <laughs> glancing through, looking for the key yeah. moments. I'm now going to study it very carefully to find out how technically accurate that film was, story accurate. But it doesn't matter. It's a film, right? It's a movie. We didn't watch a documentary. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 yes, it's uh, it's a drama. It's not a documentary, and it works. Yeah, it, it absolutely worked. Deeply satisfying. I think from a car fan point of view, and I think from if you like a human story, an emotional story. I think there's enough there to make it work. But I have one observation, not a criticism. Observation about the film. Well, I don't think it was a very good film. How so? I think it would be a better series. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, Imagine the Enzo Ferrari story playing out over 20 or 40 years on Netflix where... You know, one episode was a million million. One episode was... Maybe, yeah, maybe they missed a trick there. I mean, yeah. no, I agree. If you do it in that format, you, you could certainly do, uh, I think, a better job of, you know, of telling that story more, more accurately. Um, you might be able to do it in a more satisfactory way. That said, you know, there are already more series than I... That I'm going to be able to watch and catch up on, you know. There's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need another series. No, on Fair my play. list. So no, yeah. let's, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, it, it's nice to be able to tick one off in an afternoon. But Zog, to wrap this up, thank you very much for your brilliant idea of going to see a movie in the day. I can't remember the last time I went to see a movie in the day. Oh, you know, big fan, yeah. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I went to see a movie in the cinema. I think it was the last Bond film. That was the last cinema movie I saw. Oh, I haven't been since. Well, I'm glad we got you out and get, we're getting you back into the habit. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I'm glad that we got you listeners listening to Gareth Jones on Speed and the first episode of our 20th season of Gareth Jones on Speed. Thank you. Yeah. Stick around for the next, I don't know, 30-something episodes in this series or serial or season, however we say it. But Zog, 
Thank you very much indeed. I'm glad we made uh, made an afternoon of it, and yeah, let's do it again soon. Yeah, go and see the movie. If you like cars, you'll enjoy it. Zok, say goodbye. Goodbye. Or uh, we should say Arrivederci. Ciao. Arrivederci. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed!